ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. Today's episode, we're going to dive into one of my favorite topics, which is reading. I've done several different uh, reading topics throughout the history of the podcast. Obviously, every quarter I do uh, my reading challenge update, sharing all the books that I've read in the past quarter. Um, But this one's going to be specifically uh, gauged towards children. Sarah Boots from Altogether Lovely Collective joined me, oh goodness, I think it's been like a year ago, um, talking about children and books and literature and all of that. That was a great episode. I'll link that down in the comments. Um, But on this episode, I wanted to specifically talk to the topic of encouraging your children to love books. Um, because my my kiddos love books. Like our whole family, we love books. And I've had people message me before and ask me specifically in regards to the kids, how did you get your kids to like books? And I understand that we live in a day and age that is so overstimulated. Um, just the instant gratification of screens and technology is such a draw and a temptation, whatever age you are. I mean, whether you're a child or you're an adult. Um, And because of that, I think we come to the topic of reading sometimes, especially with children, and um, we feel that it's very difficult sometimes to get kids to enjoy books, to really love reading. I think that uh, uh, technology is really a hindrance to that. Another thing that I was reading a book recently, and it was kind of a light bulb just went on in my mind, is that some of the methods um, that are used today to teach reading are uh, very illogical, I guess. Um, um, We have just... Okay, so it's not the the logic of the English language and why everything works and, you know, building upon that foundation of reading. It's a lot more of a memorization type style of reading. Um, so that's where you have your sight words coming in and, you know, just will memorize this is how it's spelled and because this is what it looks like as opposed to actually thinking through and decoding or being able to code a word based on its sounds. And they were saying in this book that because of that, especially in those early formative years for children, so we're talking about, you know, your five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, as they are learning to read, the decoding process is so laborious that they are not experiencing enjoying a story. And this is often the time where parents start pulling back from reading aloud because they're not little, they're not toddlers, they're not preschoolers anymore who can't read on their own. These are children that are starting to be able to read books on their own. So we tend to have this transition from mom and dad reading to you, do here's a book, go read it for your school project or whatever, but because that that decoding process is such a difficulty, um, they are looking at it more word by word, sentence by sentence, working so hard to be able to actually read for uh, the word instead of being able to have the brain power to connect the overarching thought and to enjoy the story. And um, you know, so by the time that they finished a page, 
They don't remember how that context fits into the grander scheme of the story because it's taken so long to get through that portion. So I thought that was very fascinating um, as I was reading that. And obviously, as children are learning to read, there's going to be some struggle. There's going to be decoding. There's going to be sounding it out and working through it. Um, but they were just saying several different things that you could do to alleviate that, to keep your children loving books, is you know if they are reading a paragraph and it was very difficult for them and you really had to struggle through it, you know maybe have them work through it one time slowly, but then have them go back and read it. They've sounded out the difficult words. They're more familiar with it so they can read it a second time more fluently connecting it with a broader scope. Um, or you could even go back the second time and read it. Um, you as the parent could help connect. Okay, so this is what's happening right here in this paragraph, but let's remember what is going on in the story. How does this all fit together? And then another thing, which I just think is just foundational key to all of this is never stop reading aloud to your children. I don't care if they're in the womb or if they are, you know, 18 years old about to head off to college. Read to them. Keep reading. Keep reading. And especially like I'm talking about in these early years of, of that learning to read. Um, while they're reading some things on their own, working through that, building that muscle of reading, you continue to read them great stories, rich literature that keeps them engaged and in loving books. So those were just a few things that I found that were interesting. Um, and I do, I get the question um, so often, you know, how do you foster a love for reading books? Or I can't get my kids interested in reading. Um, and you know, it's interesting. I, I remember reading books, goodness, clear back to early elementary. We were actually at a bookstore recently, and I came across the cul-de-sac kids. I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but it was a little kid series that was out back in the 90s, um, and I think I've read like all of them. And I had forgotten about that until I saw the book, and it was amazing how many memories came back just seeing the cover of the first book. Um, but then that quickly transitioned into Nancy Drew. I absolutely devoured Nancy Drew mysteries. Then that got me into my teenage years where I had this weird, like, young adult dystopian thing that I was reading a lot of. Um, then I grew up a little bit and wanted to read more uh, wholesome content, more rich literature, um, more things that were helping me grow as a person. Not that I still don't enjoy um, a fiction book here and there, but really things for personal growth. And that has taken a love for reading and just, just launched it even further into something that um, is just, I, I'm passionate about and, and I love. And I knew when I had kids that I wanted them to love books. And this has been something that has been a growing process in our home. We are at the point now where my kids, really more than anything else, they would choose to sit down and to look at books. We have scheduled a bit of time into our day every day where we do that. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but it wasn't always that way. And there were some things that had to change in the dynamics of our home to promote an atmosphere of reading and a love for reading. Um, so that's really what this episode is, just sharing ideas on how to get your kids engaged and loving books. So I'm just going to bullet point through some different things that I wrote down, not in any particular order, but just some different thoughts that have really helped our family and um, that I hope will help you. Simeon came across a quote recently, and I thought it was so good. It was from uh, the preacher Charles Spurgeon. He said, the man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. 
I thought that was such an interesting quote. You know, we want our kids to grow up and be quote unquote successful. Um, you know, we'd, we'd love that they uh, would exceed academically and, you know, be able to have a, a good, uh, stable career to be able to thrive in the purpose that God has created them for. And I think one of the things that we can do now in the little years is expose them to great thinkers, to great literature. Um, and, and that avenue can lay such a foundation in their hearts and in their lives for what they will build on. I would love to think that maybe one day my child would be an author or would be someone who other people want to quote or, you know, would be known as, as a great thinker, um, a great being, you know, obviously someone who thinks in, in the lines with the Bible um, and having a biblical worldview. And all of that starts with me introducing them to these rich things. And that's just where I want to start. The first point is um, surround them with rich literature. If you're familiar with Charlotte Mason at all, she talks about twaddle, um, books that are just kind of pointless. And, you know, the, they're fun, I guess, but, you know, you have your, like, Mickey Bakes a Birthday Cake, where there's no, like, developing plot, no developing characters, um, just no depth. And uh, those are especially fun sometimes in, in the very little years, but even in the toddler years, I'm finding that there are other choices that have the same bright colors and fun short story that, uh, you know, we can read in five minutes, but yet that still has depth and it has a little bit more, um, of, of a deeper thought to it than surface level. Um, but there, there's just, there's so much rich literature out there. The more I read, the more I realize that there are so many good books out there, so many that I will never even scratch the surface. Um, but surround them with rich literature. Take a look at your bookshelf and ask yourself, is the majority of this twaddle or is the majority of this uh, this rich literature? And if you want to have a combo, go for it. We have a combo. We have some silly little kid books. Um, but try to really beef up that rich literature, good stories, good characters. Um, I mean, even things like, okay, so in the little years, I'm in the little years, so that's just what I can speak to from experience. Um, I would consider, so like we have the A.A. Um, Milne Winnie the Pooh treasury. Every time I've had a baby, that is kind of like our little, well, it's really a gift to mama, but kind of a gift to the baby that I hope they will take one day into their home as we get them a treasury of some sort. So Eden actually has Beatrix Potter, um, the complete works of Beatrix Potter series. So Peter Rabbit and all of the other ones, we got her that. Um, when she was born, Knox has the complete Winnie the Pooh series. Ivy has Madeline. Um, Willow has the Brambley Hedge. And these are, are rich. We love them. The colors are beautiful. The story is great with varying um, characters and uh, personalities and problems and conflicts and resolution and all of that. Um, and they enjoy that so much. And I'm comparing that to, um, you know, some Winnie the Pooh books that Simeon and I had from when we were kids that just was kind of a pointless story. Um, you know, they're just a Disney remake of whatever. Um, but I, I'm glad that we have these, these richer options in our home. The next thing is to just be excited to read and to learn yourself as the parent. The longer I go, the more I realize that whatever I want for my children must be modeled by me as the parent. So if you want your children to love books, 
mama, you better love books. You, and not that you need to like be consumed with reading all the time, but but show them, hey, keep a book on your nightstand. Um, have five minutes a day that you sit down. And if it's a page a day, read a page a day. That's better than nothing. But let them see you making reading and growing and learning a priority in your own life. Um, maybe that, that speaks more to a nonfiction genre, but even if it's a fiction genre, let them see that when you want to relax or rest or kind of regroup in a quiet moment, that you would pick up um, a good maybe fiction book as opposed to mindlessly scrolling on social media or turning on a show for 30 minutes or something like that. Show them that you prioritize books and reading in your own life. Another thing is just to read together. And, and I, I mentioned this at the beginning, but read, 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 read together all the time. Everything you can get your hands on, enjoy it. I One of my sweet friends is so good about this. She has kids very similar age to mine, um, but they read aloud like all the time. She's always sharing books that they've read. I um, mean, I get a lot of my recommendations from her, um, but I love keeping up with that and seeing how she incorporates reading into little pockets of their day. Because you might think, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time to read with my kids. But if it's important to you, you'll make time for it. And there are so many ways that you can get unique and creative with that. Um, and don't let your scope be narrowed to just physical books. Now, while I personally feel like there is nothing quite as memory-making as cuddling up in bed together and holding the book on my lap with all four of my kids piled on top of me, um, there are moments where that's just not practical. And if we're going to read today, that needs to look like an audiobook while we eat lunch. Um, but you're still reading. You're still engaging in a book, in a story, um, allowing the imagination to soar. And that really is going to transition me into the next point, which is minimize screen time in your home. I was just reading some research recently about how TV and screens and video games and all of that have had such a damaging effect on a child's imagination. Everything is so um, quickly moving and bright and colorful and it's just so much, so much stimulation going on and that the children are not learning how to be imaginative. And now there are so many, you know, because literature is rich and it has good stories and has good plot lines, um, a lot of uh, movie industry things are recreating book stories in movie form. And some of those I enjoy it. I love watching Anne of Green Gables. Um, but you know what? I did not read Anne of Green Gables first. So when I read it, my brain is always going to see what the movie portrayed. Um, so maybe not always, but sometimes think that through and think, hey, if there's a, a movie that we're going to watch or a show or something, let's introduce the kids to the book first and allow their imaginations to develop and to and them to paint these mental pictures of what the character looks like and what the scenes look like and how all of that develops in their own mind's eye. And then if you want to go from there and introduce the screen and, and a movie version or something, go from there. Um, but I will say in this area of encouraging my kids to love books, nothing has been as impactful as eliminating the screen time in our home. And I don't want to make this my hobby horse, because I know I've addressed it. We did a whole episode, which I'll link in the show notes if you haven't listened to it. Simeon and I came on um, a few, oh goodness, months ago now to talk about too much TV and just the shift that we had to make in our own family culture in regards to the television. Um, but I feel like this just comes up in so many topics now. 
because not that I'm trying to be like a prude and say, oh, everybody needs to go and smash their TVs and just embrace the little house in the prairie days. There's a place for screens and we still use some of that in our home. Um, now we don't have a TV in our house here in Australia yet. We're going to see how long we can go without one. Um, but every now and then we still have a family movie night. We just watch it on the computer and we utilize screens some for school. You know, YouTube is a, um, it is a thing, something you have to be careful with, but it also has a wonderful um, variety of things that you can incorporate into your learning. So I'm thankful for the tool that it is. Um, but I do believe wholeheartedly that in the majority of homes, my home included in the past, um, that it was not in its proper place. And that's why we really had to reassess some things. And if you want to know more about that, go back and listen to the episode Too Much TV. Um, there was a process of weaning myself and my children off the TV. It is so convenient to just turn on that show and let it babysit the children. Um, we had to go through quite a painful weaning process. But in doing that, in almost completely taking screen time out of our home, I have seen my children's ability to, to listen to a book, um, whether that's audio or me reading aloud or daddy reading aloud. Um, now that Eden's reading on her own, I've seen her love for reading grow. Or um, even in, in listening to an audiobook or listening to, uh, you know, we listen to Patch the Pirate or Jonathan Park uh, Adventures. So these are some like audio radio drama type things. Their ability and their enjoyment in those things has grown exponentially in with the um, removal of the screen from our home. I've just, they've been able to enjoy that. And it's almost like we kind of had to retrain our brains to learn to, um, to enjoy and to imagine with that decreased amount of stimulation. But now that we have kind of gotten ourselves off the TV high, we are so much more enjoying um, books and audio things. So that's just, I, I, I could just park here for quite some time, but we're not going to go to there. We're going to just keep moving on. But um, in, in this topic, it would be a disservice to address encouraging a love for books in your kids and not bringing up that point of just check your family, check your home and ask yourself, what place does the TV hold in our home? And if you want reading to increase in priority in your family, then you might need to scale back in this area of screens. Um, another thing, uh, so speaking about the home, is to create a reading nook or an area in your house that promotes reading. Now, this can look like anything you want it to. It can be a simple spot, um, you know, in their closet with a blanket. It can be maybe a special chair. I know somebody said that they try to have a chair in their child's bedroom so that that's like, you know, their quiet time spot. Um, we, in our home, we have like a separate, it's almost like kind of like a living room area, but it's like a family room, which is kind of slash family room slash homeschool room slash my big bookshelf with all of my books and kids resources and um, toys and little cubby drawers and but that's kind of our main reading hub. That's usually where I do a lot of the reading with the kids. In one of the corners, I have my rocking chair, and uh, we can pull blankets in. They have little chairs they can set up around me. Um, sometimes we all pile in the bed together or we'll climb on the couch. Um, but the idea is having places in your home that uh, allow for a place to read. Um, and, and this is something else. So this, okay, I'm going to have to just say it because... It's helpful. Um, so going back to the screen thing, one more thing. Another thing that I noticed, especially as, okay, so before we never 
bought furniture, and we just lived with hand-me-downs because we knew that our season in the States was temporary. So now moving into Australia, Lord willing, putting down more roots, um, I have been decorating and figuring out what we want in a whole new level. Like, I've never done that in our entire marriage. So I've been Pinteresting and looking at other people's houses and thinking, what do I want our home to look like? How do I want our home to reflect our values? And one thing I notice is that a lot of living rooms are completely centered around a screen. And I did not want that. For our main family place, I wanted it to be a place that um, would promote reading, that would promote um, conversation, that would promote hospitality. And I felt like keeping everything centered around a screen did not... Um, equate to that value. Um, so we remove the screen and have um, try to have more room to sit, have a basket of blankets, have books on the bookshelf right beside the couch. If you have a coffee table, um, you know, it doesn't even have to be like a, a reading book. You could have, there's so many beautiful um, photo books that you can put out of nature or of landscapes, just so many different options. But the whole idea here is to just have um, kind of a designated place that, that has that and have books throughout your house. I mean, have them in the living room, have them in your kids' bedrooms, have them in your bedroom, on your nightstand. If some people want to keep books in their bathroom, have them everywhere. Make them easily accessible um, so that at any moment, if you or your child or somebody is sitting down and they find a moment of boredom, you know, right there is a book that they can turn to. Another thing um, is to frequent the library. So this is something that we haven't done too much of over here. Because we live in a city, the libraries aren't quite as convenient as they were in the States. And in the season I am with a lot of littles, it's just it's a little overwhelming to try to tackle um, the way the libraries are set up in our big city, um, getting there and getting back. So we haven't done too much of that here, but when we were in the States, every Friday morning they had a story time for the kids, and that was our library day. I just put it on the calendar, and I said, this is going to be the morning that we go to the library. So it was like a 30-minute program. They sang. They read some books. Um, we read poetry, and they had really enjoyed that. And then for 15 minutes, we walked around, and we had a bag, and we played how many books can we fit into this bag to take home with us. Then we'd take them home, and, and I think this is when it dawned on me, the change that was happening in my home, is one day after this weekly excursion to the library, um, this is several months after we had uh, quit watching TV on a regular basis, um, we came home from the library and I had to make lunch. So at the time we kind of had a little play corner. So I just told the kids, I was like, I want you to sit on this rug here and you can just play quietly or whatever, but I'm gonna go make lunch and I need you to stay here. I need you to stay here so that mommy can regroup from having all four kids at the library, nurse the baby and get lunch. Now, normally I probably would have just turned on a 30 minute TV show, but we're trying to get away from that. So I put them on the rug and I set down the, the bag of the library books beside the rug. Well, they were quiet as mice. It was one of those things I didn't notice it at first because I wasn't being interrupted. Um, but all of a sudden I was like, whoa, it's been quite some time and I haven't heard any children. That's like an alarm going off in my brain. So I peek around the corner and they're all there with all of those books spread out all over the rug and they're just flipping through them. At the time, none of my children could read on their own. So they're just looking at the pictures, but they're just page by page flipping through. They finish one, they grab another. All three of them are rotating books around and sharing. Um, and it like... It connected in my mind the change that had happened in my home. That would not, that that never happened. 
um, before when my first response was to grab the screen and their desire was always to have the screen. Um, but have frequent library trips. We really enjoyed the library. It was awesome to have that um, constant uh, freshness in book options, um, to have new things coming in. It always kept them very interested to see, oh, what's the new books about? And at, you know, at the library, you can get involved in reading programs, all different kinds of things. Um, so there's a lot of great options there. Another thing is to have a variety of genres in your home library. Um, that is something that... I'm having to remember because I tend to definitely buy books that I enjoy, but all four of my children, and, and one's a baby, one's still two, so they're developing in their personalities and their tastes, um, but my older two are not just like me, and uh, that's been a shock of motherhood that Simeon and I, two totally polar opposite personalities, could have four children that not only didn't have personalities like us, um, they have completely different personalities from each other. So keeping a variety of genre of books in your home, um, make sure that you, you allow them to experience a feast of literature and to really uh, determine what is it that I enjoy? What do I enjoy reading? Right now, Knox is all about knights. He So I bought him, um, it's actually the cutest book. It's called The King and the Dragon. Um, so it it is the retelling of God and, and Satan trying to usurp God and Christ coming to earth and why he did that. Um, but it uses a lot of like king terminology, dragon obviously being Satan. Um, so he, he loves that storybook. And then we have some history books from Usborne um, about knights and castles. So that that's his go-to. That's what he wants to look at. Whereas Eden's my nature girl. So she wants to read all the nature books. Um, and Ivy right now is just obsessed with babies. So she's going to find every single bookshelf or book on the bookshelf that has a baby in it. Um, but you know, right now, Obviously, the genres will change as they get older, but right now they're all little. Um, so in, even in the, the genres that would uh, apply to younger children, I'm trying to keep a variety of, of different things, of science, of history. Um, we have some math books that are fun, counting books, um, stories, different types of stories, different eras from history, um, different uh, peoples from around the world, Very a variety of things to keep them interested. So I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but another really good thing is to schedule reading times in your home. Um, so reading is very much incorporated into our homeschooling day. And we have recently, since settling in a little bit more, we found a rhythm that is just, we are thriving in, and I'm so thankful. Um, I won't share all of that here now. Um, but all that to say, the majority of our like schooling, as far as like sit down and learn type uh, workbook or our curriculum that we're using happens in the morning. Um, and, and I read all throughout. There's reading incorporated in every subject that I pull in books or other resources. Um, but then in the afternoon, that's more kind of free time. Um, we have a very scheduled uh, quiet time in our home. And I'll link in the show notes to a, an episode that I did on establishing a quiet time in your home. So this is an hour and a half that my my youngest two nap, sometimes Knox naps. Usually he's looking at books in his bed. Um, and then Eden has the option sometimes, um, someday, and I try to rotate with her. Sometimes she'll read. Um, sometimes she'll draw or do, you know, art, um, different things like that. But usually it's books. 
Um, but this is just a time that we set aside in our day where everybody just kind of goes to their own space. You have your quiet time. You are going to enjoy a book. And this time for me, I, I have to guard it <laughs> because I very much want it to become the like, you know, catch up on the laundry and the dishes and meal prep for the evening. And, and because it's an hour and a half long, some of it does go to that. But I try to make sure that first priority, first priority is if I did not get to spend my time with the Lord in the morning, it needs to happen in the afternoon time. Beyond that, I try to give a little bit of time to reading. Many reasons. Again, I want to model this for my children. I enjoy it. It's relaxing to me. It refreshes me so that I get what I need to tackle the rest of the day. That is how I relax um, and replenish my soul is by reading a good and encouraging book. Um, so, so schedule that in your day. Schedule time to read. And hey, maybe you think, I don't have an hour and a half in the afternoon. Maybe your kids go to school. Maybe you work. So just look at your life and be like, where can I fit reading in? And it might look like something um, of listening to an audiobook on your you know 15-minute drive to drop your kids off at school in the morning. Um, and you know 15 minutes back home, picking them up um, from school afterwards. Picking back up with the audiobook. So it's going to look different for every family. Um, but again, like I said, if it's a priority, you can squeeze it in somewhere. Look for that. Maybe in the evening, if you're doing chores, you're cleaning up together, you're cooking in the kitchen, whatever, turn on the audiobook, listen. Um, my husband reads to the kids. Uh, from a book, from a read aloud. Um, and that usually happens in the evenings. Now, depending on the evening, it might be more, it might be less. Um, but those are some scheduled reading times that we have throughout our day. There's all kinds of different book clubs and things that you can do. And I've never um, had the opportunity to be a part of that. I would love to one day. But I've seen so many neat ideas of families uh, doing read alouds together. And then, you know, when you get to the end, you can get together and have a little party and make snacks that go along with the book and people can dress up and then you have narrations and um so it's just there's so many neat things like that again we haven't gotten the opportunity to do that maybe one day but I saw that idea and I thought that was so fun um to just incorporate reading books with your friends and to be able to get excited about that and to share in rich literature that way I think I'll finish up here with just the encouragement to build a home library. Um, now, there are various ways that you can do that. This is something that I wanted before I even had children. So I was able to capitalize on some of those very early opportunities to help fill my home with books. Maybe, um, you know, your past baby showers. You know, for my first, I asked people, instead of a card, could you bring a, get, uh, a book and could you sign it? Um, and that was kind of the card that went with the baby shower gift. And so to this day, we have books on our bookshelves that are from sweet friends. And, and I love that because not only is it a story that we can enjoy again and again, but it makes me reflect on those people and pray for them. And um, so that was great. But... Um, I, you know, your home reflects or your home should reflect what you value. And I, I have many thoughts on this and it's coming in a podcast episode later talking about um, just the home and decorating your home and uh, what you want your home to look like, what the atmosphere and the tone of your home should be. But just a quick little sneak peek of that. Um, you know, there is such a push to have Pinterest Instagram worthy homes. Um, all of just the perfect decor, the magazine worthy. Um, but I think sometimes we do that to the neglect of realizing that our homes are not a showcase 
Our homes are a tool. Our homes are a tool for um, nurturing your marriage, for raising children in, in godliness and biblical truth. They are a tool for um, ministering to others through hospitality. And in seeing your home as a tool, um, you might realize that what you want to comprise your home, so the things that you have on your home, you'd rather have reflect your family values. So what do I mean by that? Um, that means for us that uh, the Bible is of utmost priority in our home. So we're going to have, you know, speaking of having books around, we're going to have Bibles. We have Bibles in every room. Um, we're going to try to have scripture on our walls, whether that's flashcards that we're trying to memorize or whether that's, you know, a nice, you know, art piece that we're going to have. Um, but another thing is books. We value books as a family. So we want books around. We want that to comprise our home in our office. Simeon has his bookshelf. I have my bookshelf. That might be one of my favorite things about our home in Australia here is our office that is completely a his and hers. We split it down the middle and one side has my bookshelf and desk. The other side has his. Um, and, and it's great. I love that. We have our family room I mentioned that has a, just a host of books. Um, and then we all have piles of books in our bedrooms that we're reading. But creating that home library, I understand people have asked me before, like, books are expensive. How do you how do you afford that? How do you budget for that? How do you get so many books? Well, Rome wasn't built in a day. It takes time. It takes time to build a home library. But you can capitalize on things like that, like a baby shower, um, for instance. Or when my children really started... Um, having more of a love for books. We started for birthdays and Christmas. We uh, What we asked for was books. Um, you know, they still wanted some toys, but you get to a point where you've had enough toys. Like, you don't need any more toys, especially now that we're on baby number four. Like, she's about to have a first birthday. She There's no toys that she needs. So what am I getting for her? I'm getting her the Paddington uh, collection. I can't wait. Paddington Bear, the whole treasury of that. So I'm excited. Um, but you know, you can have too many toys. One can never have enough books. Um, so fill your home with books. I take advantage of birthdays, of Christmases. Um, even for you as an adult, if you enjoy books, ask for those for Christmas. Now, I did have to tell some family members that just don't understand my passion for reading. Like, it truly is a gift to me to give me a book. Because some people that don't enjoy reading, I think sometimes they're like, I'm not going to get you a book. That's lame. No, like I had to tell them, I would rather have a book than, than anything else you could give me. Like, I want a book. Um, another idea that I saw that I just thought was so cool, um, and I might be setting Simeon up here. But I think last year at Christmas time, uh, there was a lady on Instagram and her husband did for her a 24 days of books countdown to Christmas. So her gift was every day counting up to Christmas. She got a new book. Um, now when I told Simeon, he's like, 24 books, that's a lot of money. Um, so maybe that's much. But I thought, well, you know, there's like the 12 days of Christmas. You could do the 12 day countdown. Um, but just, just thinking outside of the box, thinking of ways that you could ask for books and build that home library. Um, and then you you can always get them at Goodwill. Thrift Books is a good resource. Um, Amazon often has the three for two deal. We love Usborne Books. Most of my home library for my kids, as far as like educational resources go, is Usborne Books. Um, and we have gotten so many of those free just from hosting parties. I'm not a consultant for Usborne, um, but I've hosted parties in the past or there were times where, okay, just get creative. So this is how I got creative. I knew that one year for my son that he really wanted books for his birthday. So what I did is I actually created a little party, not to host a big party and try to invite all my friends and all of that. Um, but I just had the party link. 
And I told the grandparents, like, here's his wish list. You can create a wish list on Usborne. This is what he wants. And if you want to buy from this list, then you buying actually lets me get more free books for him for his birthday. So we did that. You know, I mean, by this goodness, we have a big family. So by the time the grandparents and aunts and uncles bought books, I mean, they had bought like $200 in books. And then I was able to get more free books on top of that. And it worked out that he just had the best birthday ever. Getting books on all kinds of things, you know, dinosaurs and um, ocean animals and trucks and jobs and so many different things that he just, he loved. Um, and, and this is just, I keep having different ideas. But uh, one other thing that I was going to say about creating your home library, having this atmosphere of rich literature, and really have varying genres, um, even in educational resources, obviously you want varying genres in, in story, you know, get some mystery, get some classical uh, books, get just fun stories, silly stories, humorous stories. Um, but even in educational resources, it is such a joy to me that... Having invested in a home library for over six years now that I've had children and then just my library personally, that is so okay. So let's talk about the kids first. If we're homeschooling, it is rare that I come across a subject or a topic that is not either a book that we have a whole book devoted to that topic or that is somewhere addressed in a book that we have. I love that. I love that just the other day we were doing school and we were reading some poetry about animals that live in the pond. And we started talking about a salmon. Well, the kids didn't know much about salmon. Um, and so we were trying to talk about, okay, well, I, I thought salmon were freshwater fish. But Eden's like, no, I think they can live in brackish water too, which, okay, first of all, let me just say it was amazing that my six-year-old knew what brackish water was. She actually knows that because we did a whole unit on the pond uh, with Gather Around Homeschool, but she remembered that. And I was like, I'm not sure. And she's like, oh no, I read in a book. And what does she do? She gets up and she goes over to the bookshelf and she gets the book off the shelf. And we're learning that salmon can actually be in a variety of different types of waters, brackish included. Um, so it was so neat. That, that she was able to just go, oh, I've read that in a book. And we had that. We do do unit studies with Gather Around Homeschool. So it's nice that whenever we start a new unit study, I can go to my library and say, okay, we're doing the human body. Well, here's my 10 books that are all about the human body. Or we're going to learn about we're doing earth science. So, you know, okay, here's my book about volcanoes. Here's my book about wild weather. Here's a book about planet earth. I can gather those resources. And then for my own personal library, especially as I have this podcast, um, you know, I don't just sit down and just chit chat. I put a lot of preparation and research and time into many of these episodes. Um, and so much of that comes from my own personal library. And I love that it's getting to the point now where when I have a topic that comes on my heart, usually I can do the same thing as Eden did. I can go to my library and I can look on my bookshelf and be like, okay, here's this resource. Here's this resource. Here, this talks to that. Here, this addresses that. Um, it's just been such a joy to me to be able to see that in action in our home and in our life that we have so many resources on such a variety of things that as things come up, um, there's a book for it and we can grab it off the shelf. And if there's not a book for it, you can bet you it's going to go on our wish list. So anyways, these are just some ideas on how to encourage a love for books in your children. Um, if you have other ideas, please send them to me. I am always open to hearing more ideas. You can email me at no higher calling podcast. Um, but I just want to close out with a quote from Louisa May Alcott in her book, Joe's Boys. She says, books are always good company if you have the right sort. Let me pick out some for you. 
and Mrs. Joe made a beeline to the well-laden shelves, which were the joy of her heart and the comfort of her life. I don't think we could end this episode on a better excerpt from Joe's Boys. Um, line, your, line your shelves with books of the right sort. Pick them out for your children. Pick them out for yourself. Be quick to run and grab those resources. Grab those treasures off your wall. And let them be the joy of your heart and the comfort of your life. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.